CDC is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. Farasad is the founder and CEO of Be Calm Mindfulness Consulting Co. With over six years of sales experience working at various large corporations like PepsiCo Beverages Canada and Maple Leaf Foods, Farah knows firsthand the stress and anxiety employees feel on a daily basis. Like many others, Farah experienced a burnout and many unexpected absences, which led to taking time off to travel the world in 2016. During her travels, Farah discovered Eastern wellness practices to cope with stress, anxiety, and other mental health issues through attending a 10-day silent meditation retreat in Myanmar and spending four months training in a temple in Bali, Indonesia with spiritual healers. Through developing a mindfulness teacher skill set, Farah understood the distractions individuals face on a daily basis and the benefits of mindfulness and meditation. Today, as founder and CEO of Be Calm Mindfulness Consulting Co., Farah is your go-to person for combining business and mindfulness with her deep knowledge of the corporate culture in North America and East Asia. Be Calm Mindfulness specializes in stress and anxiety management, offering one-on-one -on -one sessions, workshops, and retreats to help organizations create a wellness environment so organizations can integrate long-term plans for wellness and 
mindfulness into their culture. Farah's goal is to shift the corporate culture in North America through making mindfulness a daily practice in workplaces and communities. Welcome to the show, Farah. Thank you, Kamal. I so appreciate the work that you do because I, uh, like yourself, experienced heavy burnout um, triggered by critical illness myself in my career. And so this has been a huge part of my journey as an entrepreneur is redefining my relationship with work. And I would love to hear about your experience from when you were in corporate, uh, the corporate side of things and your experience with work back then and what has changed with how you relate to your work since then. Yeah, thank Thank you, Komal. And um, and you, you'll be able to resonate with it. I, I read your story and it's incredible. Um, yeah, for me, um, you know, coming from a world of, I was in a sales career, so it was very driven by numbers and very much by performance. Um, so coming from that world where you're working ridiculous hours, trying to hit this one number every month to you know, becoming my own boss and kind of setting my own goals and my own performance rules has been quite an exciting journey as an entrepreneur. Um, and just finding my own balance and rhythm in that versus, you know, somebody externally telling me how, what success looks like that, and what performance looks like. Um, so that's been the biggest thing for me that I've taken away from switching from a corporate job to an entrepreneur. That's wonderful. And in terms of how you uh, see sort of your relationship with success, like what was your definition of success in the past and like that got you into the sales world? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, um, a lot of my identity, um, was identified by external validation and, So I measured my level of success by the titles that I held to um, how much money I was making to uh, what what I was doing, you know, from having a university degree to, you know, being working for a large organization and having, you know, by the age of 25, being in a very high position on one of the largest accounts. That to me was all exciting. And that's what success was. And the thing was, though, every day when I went home, I felt empty inside. There was, you know, so I had what I call success, but inside I knew that wasn't right for me. And hence why I would have trouble getting out of bed. Um, I burnt out so quickly because I was holding on to a, a persona, essentially, to kind of make everyone else happy. And what success means to me now is being authentic to who I am and and being true to what I am versus, you know, kind of measuring everything by this external level of, you know, material things. It's more internal to just me growing as a person and me learning new things about myself and becoming more self-aware and how I approach a relationship with myself and others. Absolutely. And I think that's something that a lot of folks very much would deeply identify with who wake up in the mornings and and don't feel particularly connected to the work that they do every day. And they can feel themselves, you know, coming close to that burnout moment or that moment that is a defining moment for a lot of us where it's like, I can't do this anymore. What advice do you have for people who feel like they're on that path to burnout? What can they do to perhaps become happy in the position that they're in with some pivots or take the leap to taking that time off or break that they might need or shift in career? What advice do you have? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I usually say there's a three D's debt, divorce, and disease. And 
you go through one of these. Wow. Like you are so, that is exactly it. That is perfect. The three D's. So it's, if you're going through one of these, you're probably reaching a point in your life where you're, you're not happy or, and maybe happiness isn't the right word, but it's more, you're feeling disconnected from yourself. And so, um, and if you've reached that point, you know, I think it's just a reminder to go inward. So slow down. So simplify your life. So on the outside, maybe just step away from whatever you're doing. I mean, do your bare minimum. If you, you know, we can't help it. We have to go to our job, but maybe, you know, that time off, take it to yourself versus, you know, spending that time with your friends, do something inwards and, and something that will give you satisfaction. I mean, usually when we have this point of where we feel like our life is crashing down, it's just a reminder to go inwards more into who we are and ourselves and sit with ourselves. And that's where we get scared because we're, we're afraid of what we might be thinking if we're alone. So oftentimes what we do is we just distract ourselves, right? Um, rather than going in and trying to sit with that feeling and trying to understand why we're feeling that way. Um, so what I would say to people is one, you know, don't be afraid of the unknown, uh, embrace the unknown, um, and face your fears. That's all it is. It's a fear that's coming up. Um, and the way to face it is do something that you really enjoy. Um, for me, it was traveling. The last time I remember being happy was when I went traveling. So at the time when I had my burnout, um, I just felt like, okay, what could I do in this moment to make myself feel better? And travel was a thing that came up and I just decided to just go with it. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how long I would be away. Um, but I just trusted that if I did something that made me happy in that moment, everything else would come together. And it did. I am really curious to know when you, when you did hit your burnout and had to take this time away, um, how did that impact the rest of your life? Like, were there folks in your life who, um, were resistant to the changes you needed to make and how did you deal with that? Yeah. Um, you know, um, I'm, it's, it's actually very interesting. I think because I talked about it for two years prior to actually doing it. <laughs> so I think by the time that I actually decided people were kind of relieved and they were like, okay, you really need to just do this because you've been talking about it forever. And, um, I'm pretty fortunate. I think, um, the first time, um, it was actually a very, uh, interesting time because, I, my performance was dropping at work. Um, I knew there was a high chance I was getting laid off and I had a great relationship with my boss. And he actually, um, told me, you know what, I think you should start looking for another job. And, and I started doing that. I looked for another job and I remember just, you know, just asking for a ridiculous salary and just because I really didn't want it, but I was too scared of doing, you know, going into the unknown and not knowing what would happen if I didn't have this two week paycheck or if I didn't have this safety net anymore. So I tried to hold on to it. And I remember that they offered me the job and I just sat there and I went, what? no, this can't be happening. <laughs> this is not what I want. And I think even then having so much fear come up, um, I remember talking to, uh, my younger brother and my family as a whole, my mom as well. And I was saying, you know what, I, I got this job, but I, I don't know. I, I really am. 
I, I feel like I should take it, but then there's another part of me that feels like I should just take the time off. And at the time, the advice that my younger brother gave me was, look, even if you took this job, where are you going to be a year from now? Are you going to be happier or are you going to be in the same place? And, and, you know, and, and not, in all honesty, I answered with, yeah, you're right. I'll be in the same place. I wouldn't be happier. And he said, so why not give yourself a month and just see what happens? You know, you can always come back and look for another job. It's not like there, 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 that, that possibility is going to leave. Right. And, um, so for me, I think that advice really helped. And I, I, and coming from a South Asian background, I, it's, it's interesting because I didn't have the issues from my direct family per se. Um, but I could see the judgment from other people in the community and not understanding what I was doing, but I'm pretty fortunate. My own family understood and they understood why I needed to do this because they could see I was really unhappy. I was depressed. I was uh, sleeping a lot. I just, I, I was very in a very negative headspace. So they knew the benefit of this. Um, so, so I'm pretty fortunate that my immediate family understood, but I definitely got those questions from other people. And that was partially because they didn't understand. Um, but the same people now, uh, two years later are actually traveling more themselves. So, mm. so yeah, so it's really exciting to see that. So a few things that I wanted to comment on, but didn't want to disrupt you. The first is, wow, what a wise younger brother you have. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that is some sage. That is a sage question he asked you to like, what are the odds that you would get the job that you like pitched? Like you were like crazy salary, like just making it so they're going to say no. But then it, it made you face that question for yourself of like, well, am I going to do this? And it brought that to a head. And then the next, like part of the fear, I think in the South Asian community, I myself am also South Asian is like the fear of the unknown. Like you showed people that even if you take this path and you prioritize yourself and your wellness and your well-being, everything's okay. And you're like, it, you almost gave permission in that sense. So I feel like just through your own personal exploration, which often happens, like you're giving other people the permission to do the same. I completely agree. And I just want to add, um, uh, I, I have this, uh, have you ever heard of the book, The Alchemist? Yes. yes. I love The Alchemist. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a part in there where, you know, um, the shepherd boy runs into the alchemist and the alchemist says, um, yeah, when you're on your path, the universe tests you to see if you're really wanted. And I feel like that's what some of those encounters are. Sometimes when we really desire something, um, this test comes up. And in this case, it was this job, you know, it's like, it's like this perfect job and it makes a lot of sense on a piece of paper to take it. Do I take it or do I go to the unknown and embrace that and just trust that I'll land wherever I can. And so I always say, that, you know, right before you're about to make a big move, a big test will come in your way, whether it's somebody from your past showing up or something that you really feel you desire at the time. But really, it's just a test to see, like, are you really ready to like grow as a person and embrace the unknown or not? Absolutely. And I find that as someone, you know, first gen high, like went through post-secondary, did graduate studies, like worked in untraditional spaces, but like with traditional 
um, in traditional work environments. Sometimes it can be very difficult to bridge the language and intellect with like that, that part of the brain with the part of your brain that you got to explore and continue to explore now through your business, but most specifically in your travels and your silent retreat and your months in Bali at the temple. How did you align those two parts of yourself? Do you struggle at all when you're sharing about your company and your business and find people have pushback because it's an area that they're either afraid of or don't quite understand? Yeah. Um, you know, um, it's really interesting. Uh, I, when I was starting this company, I remember a lot of fear coming up of, is the world ready to receive something like this in a very structured environment like corporate? Um, and, um, and I, and your, and my training did help a lot and just trusting and not focusing so much on the results and how people perceive it, but trusting that the message that I'm giving, it's coming from the heart and then trusting that it will get to the right people. And as soon as I got over that, um, you know, just getting over that internal fear and the mind pattern, I noticed that shift and people coming into my life that were open to this. Um, and I was shocked. I've done so much work in government. I, I was truly shocked at how forward thinking the government is. Um, and, uh, it's so, so yeah, people are ready. And, um, and, uh, I definitely do have those fears come up. I feel like, you know, that never really goes away. That's, that's a part of us as humans because we're all conditioned to think a certain way. Um, you know, I think, I came from immigrant parents. You're always thought to kind of be in this safety net, right? Um, so, so you find the most secure job. You find, you get married. You have kids, and um, and I'm 30 years old. I'm not married, so I, I know that is a, in another stigma in itself that you know I've, I've kind of carried. But my goal is to break out of my own limiting beliefs and the conditioning that I've been given, and kind of live life authentic to who I am and true to who I am. And and so I always, when when these fears come up, you know, I try to go in and ask myself, okay, where is this coming from? Is this something that I was just conditioned to believe because as children, by the age of seven, you've already built all the beliefs you have about life based on the people around you, um, your parents, your teachers, the community you grew up in. So, so essentially right now as adults, we're trying to break out of these patterns that we built by the age of seven. And, uh, and when you recognize that it's a good place to start to then understand, okay, how can I work through this? And, build better beliefs for myself that are more aligned with who I truly am. I so appreciate you sharing that because that question is very much rooted in, in me trying to break through my own limiting beliefs around what, how I talk about wellness and Eastern practices, because it's part of our lived experience, I think, as South Asian women, where there is such knowledge in our how we were raised, in our grandparents, in, you know, um, whatever, wherever back home is for us. Like there are aspects to our spiritual practices and, and experiences that sometimes I feel like I have to keep under wraps 
in when I'm in North America or in a North American context, but I want to change that. And so what advice do you have when, when you are working through these limiting beliefs, when it comes to our experiences with spirituality and with wanting to incorporate more of these like very traditionally based wellness practices into our everyday lives as quote unquote, highly productive humans? Yeah. Um, and do you mean from a perspective of how to talk about it or what, what, what can we actually do? Do for ourselves. Do for ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I always say it's the practice looks different for everyone. I mean, there are some basics that everyone can incorporate, like gratitude um, is very powerful and it's proven the more you practice gratitude in your daily lives, it does eventually result in you shifting your mindset as well to a more positive state. Um, and meditation is very powerful because it teaches you how to become more aware of your thoughts and your emotions and how they affect your daily life. Um, and it's just teaching you to kind of look at yourself as a third person and looking in and, you know, just not judging yourself, but just observing. Um, and that's, that's really the key to life. I feel it's just, you know, we're always trying to understand why something's happening, but just observe your life. Don't try to answer the why, just observe yourself every day. Um, observe the feelings that are coming up, the emotions that are coming up, but don't judge yourself. Just be kind to yourself. Um, and also affirmations. Um, you know, I always say we, we spend so much time building a relationship with everyone around us. We don't take, we need to do that same work with our inner self. Uh, but we're never really thought to do that. Uh, you know, we go to school to learn math and science, but nobody teaches you how to live life. And so, so the way to do that is, you know, there's a great exercise that I always teach in my classes is to look at yourself in the mirror every morning and look into your eyes and tell yourself, I love myself. And the first times you, the first couple of times you will do it, it's very vulnerable. It's very, I, I had a hard time making eye contact with myself the first time I did it. And, and eventually you start appreciating yourself for who you are in all your glory. And, and so those are some things that I recommend are good places to start. Uh, journaling is also really powerful. Um, if you just start writing, you know, daily, what, what feelings are coming up for you, uh, what is causing it, um, but those are some things I would recommend. Thank you for that. So in a corporate setting, can you share a little bit about like the offerings that your company provides and what you found to be like a case study of, of best impact that you like to have made? Yeah. Um, so in a corporate setting, um, what I do is a lot of workshops around uh, you know, building a daily mindfulness practice and also stress and anxiety management because globally 300 million people suffer from depression and a big part of those people also suffer from anxiety and, and companies are losing trillions of dollars every year in productivity and creativity because so many people are feeling anxiety at work and not showing up with their highest best self. So my workshops focus a lot on building that relationship and practice with yourself. And the way I do that is I educate people about mindfulness and meditation, what that is, how to recognize their stress and anxiety triggers in their body, and then tools that they can use to cope with that and also become proactive in actually building a more active mindfulness practice. Um, so the best case study I just did, um, 
I was just uh, with a higher education institute and working with the staff there. And um, I think the most remarkable thing, my, my, my workshops are very engaging. And my big part of my workshops that I try to work on is, is encouraging people to bring their most vulnerable self. Um, you know, I noticed I used to do this too in a corporate setting, and I've noticed a lot of people do this. We don't mean to, but we put on a persona when we come to work and you're spending 20% of your week with these coworkers, but we're afraid to show our true and full self to these people because we're afraid of how they might see us. And, or we, we've been thought that, you know, you can't show up a certain way at work. Um, but it's proven that if we all show our vulnerable selves, we're actually uh, one more productive and more effective in delivering everything that we're doing. Um, so the biggest thing that I've noticed is that um, when people come together, I make them do certain exercises where I get them to share their gratitude with each other or, you know, affirmations or things that they just want to work on in themselves. And every time and, you know, people do this, they're out of, out of all my workshops that I've delivered, everyone always says, I didn't realize how we were all thinking about the same thing and we all wanted the same thing. Mm. And, and that's the truth. As humans, we're all the same. We all have the same desires. We care about our families. We love our families. They're important to us. We want to share love with other people and we just want to be loved. And, and I think just breaking through that mold of people, what people have at work is, is what I, I think is what I measure my level of, you know, just, wow, like this is success. This is a successful workshop because I can tell there's been a shift in this group. And what would you say to those folks who are like on the fence and they're like, yes, to all of this, it feels right. Like it makes sense. And they're in leadership positions. There are organizations and places where they're so close to being ready for these kinds of conversations, but then there's a fear holding them back. What benefits would this have for their teams, their companies? How, how will this make their workplaces even better? Yeah. Um, to answer the first bit of that, what I would say to them is, you know, um, I, I know there's a stigma around what mindfulness and meditation is, um, but it's actually very practical. It's <laughs> on a on a level of just even understanding yourself better. It, it what I teach is is very practical and it's more focused on the mind. Um, and what I would say to them as to you know, what this could do for their team, it could save them a lot of money, uh, money that they're paying because people are burning out um, money they could save because there's actually increased productivity. People aren't wasting their time on social media because they're just very overwhelmed with the amount of work that they have. Um, and, you know, they need a distraction from it. And just overall, their their team would be more effective in meetings. So when they come together, there's more creative ideas uh, coming together and that they're sharing when they come together. So so those are some things that I would say there there's uh, there's studies that prove, you know, um, people that practice mindfulness and meditation daily, they're they're more effective as humans and and how they live their daily lives. 
And what advice do you have for leaders of these teams in terms of modeling this behavior? Um, because sometimes uh, people can come in and do workshops and trainings, but then things go back to the way they were. How do you get this in the water supply to truly change the operations of and like the, the operating system of an organization? Yeah. So it all starts with us, right? Like ourselves, like we always have to start with doing things ourselves and modeling that behavior. So I think, uh, you know, what I always say to the leaders is, um, start by being that person who's practicing this, which is creating a safe space and for your, for your coworkers to do it and your employees. So, um, a great thing that I always say is like, what if everyone came into work and just meditated together for 15 minutes prior to starting a meeting, even just five minutes, but that level of silence that, that it would create, everyone would be in a better headspace to then start that meeting. And what if, you know, people just talked about the wins. I, sometimes we start meetings and we dive right into the things that are, that we need to do. We forget to, you know, focus on the successes that we have already had as a team and, and just building that positive environment to celebrate the successes. It's, it's motivating your team to you know, want to be even more successful because they'll want to come next week and want to share a win with you. So, so, so it's just building that positive space for your team. Um, and just setting an intention, be intentional in your meetings, be intentional in your day and what you want to achieve. And, um, yeah, I have a whole article about this on my website that goes into more detail on how leaders can practice it in their workplace. Um, but yeah, those are some tips that I would give. Thank you for that. It's actually something I've started instituting in our, our team meetings. We have a remote team and we meet every Tuesday morning for our, our big check-in for the week. And we start with five or six minutes of meditation and mindfulness where I lead a guided meditation. And it has totally changed the, the, the space that we hold for each other during that meeting. So I can say firsthand guys, like this is a really great thing to implement with your team. And I also find that it, it, um, has increased trust for us. So it's been a byproduct that I didn't expect where just being able to sit in silence together, like you really have to trust the people you're around to be able to do that. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That makes me so happy when I hear these because I know it works and, and thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And when you were saying that, I was like, oh my God, I would, I thought like this was just like, I didn't know if this would be a good thing, but you just verified it for me. So I also say thank you to you for that. Yeah, no, no, it will keep, I, I, yeah. And the more you'll do it, you'll notice a shift. It, like, it sounds like you already have. Right. And, uh, mm -hmm. that's amazing. So a lot of people are in work environments where broaching this conversation with their leadership feels like insurmountable. Um, so what are some ways that they can manage the acute stresses in their work days when they, their teams maybe aren't ready or their bosses maybe aren't ready for bringing someone like you in to help the whole team get to this space of being open to more mindfulness and, and wellness in, in their work? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, they can do some things on their own. Um, if they catch themselves that, you know, just feeling, you know, so I'm going to go into a workplace environment. You have five new emails coming in. Each of them 
need something from you by the end of the day and you're sitting there and you're noticing your anxiety level just going up, you're, you're getting sweaty, your heart's beating faster, you're getting confused in your mind. At that point, I say, just get up and walk away for five minutes. Just, just get up and walk and uh, distract yourself from it. Because if you keep sitting there and trying to, you know, work through it, feeling the way you are, you're not going to get anywhere. So you might as well get up, uh, go for a five minutes walk, just focus on breathing. So I always say, take three deep breaths, inhaling from the nose and exhaling from the mouth. And uh, what this is doing is it's giving your brain something to focus on and bringing your attention back to the present moment. Then when you feel like, you know, you're more relaxed, you can go back and create a list. Okay. What, which of these should, can I tackle first and what needs to be done by end of day today? And what can I, you know, kind of push away for the day? Um, and, and so those, those are all things that you can do yourself, uh, you know, and, uh, and then when you feel ready, maybe share this advice with a coworker and practice it with them. Do a mindfulness walk, which is, you know, you intentionally both go for a walk for 15 minutes, focus on your breath, um, just trying to be as present as possible by focusing on the present moment, looking around you. Um, that's something that you can implement with one to two coworkers every day. Um, and, and with that, it will eventually keep growing to the point, you know, where the leaders will start noticing a difference and would be interested in learning more. So so that there is a cause and case for people to take this on themselves and to be the change in their organizations that they hope to see at even a bigger level. Like I truly believe that as well. There can be a domino effect. Yeah, that's, you know, we sometimes forget um, how powerful we are as humans, but it truly starts with us and, uh, and, you know, our willingness to want to change and, uh, and, and, and it shows up, you know, show, you, you show up differently when you, ch- when you shift and you're more present and you're more mindful. So, yeah. So your goal is to shift the corporate culture in North America. What is your vision for the future of how we work and how we live? Yeah. Um, My vision is for people to show up as their authentic self at work. Um, The people that they would be with their family and friends, not just a part of that, but like truly be the same person at work. And, um, and, and, you know, in workplaces, they're more flexible in how they allow their uh, employees to work. You know, I feel like that whole nine to five sitting at a desk is not that effective anymore in this day and age. It's more about, you know, just creating an environment where it doesn't matter where a person worked from, but they're getting the work done. And, and that comes with trust and building that environment of, of nurturing and showing the employees that you really care about them. Right. That's at the end of the day, that's what we want to see that the place we're going to work for, they care about us. And so, so those are some things that I would say I see as a vision and, my big, big vision is for people to really connect with themselves, you know, and really find out what it is that makes them get up in the morning and feel they want to go to work. And, and it could be just wanting to help other people and, or connecting with other people. So just asking yourself that question, it's what is, what makes you get out of bed every morning? And is this something that you'll want to do tomorrow or the day after as well? I love that. And I think it would totally change how we live and work if we all were willing to just show up as ourselves. Um, So thank you for sharing that. I 
have a very, I have a personal interest in this next question, which I have for all of my questions, but this one more specifically, um, I've always dreamed of going to Bali. I've never been, I have always wanted to go and I would love to know about your time there and your training, um, at the temple that you trained at there for four months and what it's like when you're, when you're in a space like that. I've only heard things. I've never experienced it, but I'd love to know. Yeah. Um, Bali is an incredible place and there's many different pockets and areas of Bali from, you know, the super touristy to some very uh, local parts where you'll see more of the local people there. Um, A lot of my work at the temple was very actually just working on myself. I wasn't... um, it's, it's, you know, they kind of said, you're, you're welcome to come to the space, but really it's what you make of it. Um, so it wasn't that I was always given direction. It was kind of like, okay, what are you going to make up today? And honestly, it's, um, I always say this when you, you know, you set the intention of wanting to become a better person and work on yourself, all your, I call it the shadow self. So all the parts of you that you've kind of been hiding and you don't want other people to see because you're kind of, you feel shame around those sides of yourself or, uh, or, you know, you feel like other people will judge you. All these parts of you start coming up. And for me, that's kind of what happened. It was a very intense period. Um, I was there for four months and, So for 10 to 12 hours a day, I would just spend my time at this temple, just kind of observing what these healers were doing and just kind of spending a lot of time in introspection and, and looking inwards. And because I had some training from the 10 day silent meditation I did, it wasn't, it wasn't completely hard to do that, but it was also hard because, um, I mean, like when you're spending that much time just focusing on yourself, uh, it, it does get to be a bit overwhelming at times because you'll start seeing sides of yourself that you'd kind of tucked away and, you know, and, and you were like, yeah, I'm not going there. Um, you know, just stuff from your childhood trauma to, you know, like, um, I lost my dad when in my twenties and that was a big pivotal moment for why I even had my burnout, but just going back to these things that shifted us in such a large way, but we never really wanted to go there and give ourselves attention. So that was the first time I kind of sat there and I tried to work through all these things and, and, and the healing really comes from just observing and accepting those parts of ourselves. So that's what I really learned from that experience there, um, how to accept all of myself and just learn to observe things and not always try to make sense of it. Uh, but it also taught me a lot because it was, even though I've lived on my own in Canada before, it was the first time kind of going international away from my family and friends. And yes, I knew, um, a few people there, but it, it, it was, it, it kind of got lonely at times because I was away from my loved ones and, and spending all this time just doing introspection. So it was kind of like a monk but I, I was, I was living kind of that monk mm-hmm. life. Um, but it wasn't as, um, I guess restricted because it was a choice and I chose to be there every day. Yeah. I think it's like a, almost like a, a boot camp for your own, just facing yourself and allowed you to really put that mirror up to yourself and say like, what, what is here for me to what's left from in my way for me to love myself. And, uh, thank you for sharing that. And also for sharing about, about your father's passing. Um, I'm very, and I'm now understanding the three D's even more intimately (laughs) as something that
that you've also experienced. (laughs) Um, but I think you're right. Like there's a lot of people listening who, um, who are going through tragedy, trauma, um, trying to shift parts of themselves for their own betterment and are trying to hold space for themselves, but maybe feel scared to do so. And so on this final note, I'd love to know your thoughts on how can our audience thrive in their daily lives and in their businesses, employing some of the practices that you've shared with us today. Yeah. Um, You know, um, I think it's just starting with yourself, right? And first of all, just setting that intention. um, I'm going to be kinder to myself. I think, you know, I, um, especially as women, we're often so, um, just the way the North America world is, we're kind of always judged and compared, right? To, from the magazine covers to, uh, to just, you know, when we go to a workplace, we're kind of seen a certain way. So, so it's about just being comfortable in who you are. And, and the way that comes about is, you know, really going there to those parts of yourself that you kind of kept hidden, um, you know, and accepting and bringing love to those parts. So, that's one. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, face your fears, like do something that is going to get you out of your comfort zone. And it's something that you've always wanted to do. Um, go do it. It will help you to learn a lot about yourself in the process and help you become more aware of yourself and how you behave in a new setting. Uh, for me, traveling alone through Asia is one of the scariest things that I've done because of, you know, all these perceptions, oh, women can't travel alone and it's too scary and dangerous. And, and, just breaking out of that taught me so much. And it also taught me the world is actually a very safe and small place. It's kind of what you believe shows up in your life. And a great question that I always, I just uh, posted this on my Twitter the other day. I asked if you weren't a mother, a daughter, a wife, or a sister, what would you be? And, and that's where, you know, I really encourage people to kind of ask themselves that, like what, would you want to do? What does your heart desire? And go do that. Wow. I love that. And what a beautiful note for us to end our conversation on. Thank you so much for being here, Farah, for sharing all of this incredible information with us. And I just want you to let our audience know where they can find you online. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you, Komal. I really enjoyed this. Um, so you can find me at uh, becom.org. That's com with a K. That's a website. And there are some articles on there on how they can practice mindfulness daily and how to get through a change. Um, and you can also find me on all social media. The social media handle is mind, And it's com with a K again. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Farah. I so enjoyed our conversation today. So did I. Thank you so much for having me on here. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness, and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive. Thrive.